Well, hopefully there's no one here this morning that heard there was another sermon on stewardship and regretted being here. When I had the opportunity to pick up Noel just a few minutes ago, I, I was reminded of a time about 33 years ago, I was speaking at an outside service at a small football stadium, and I was shocked at having everybody's attention. I mean, I really thought this outside environment, people would be spaced out, they'd have their eyes every which way. And, and no one told me this. It wasn't until afterwards when I saw pictures and a video of the service, right about the time I stepped up to speak, a, a deer came out behind me and grazed throughout the message. And I imagined people were paying attention. But as much as um, Noelle would love to be a part of this service this morning, and she is, and I was going to keep her here as long as I could just to keep you looking this way, um, her bottom did just get warmer um, just, just, just moments ago. So thanks, Mom. But thank you, Noelle. We, we should have had a picture of that. Um, it's amazing. It, it's a privilege to be here this morning and to share with the Rockbridge community. When uh, Pastor Jim asked me about a month ago, um, do you have, he, he sent a text, uh, which is what he does. You know how the younger generation is. Um, yeah, that was a joke. Um, but he sent a text, do you have any sermons in your files on stewardship? And I, I really didn't know what, what he was fishing for. Um, I, I was like, well, you know, maybe, probably they, they might be lost. Um, and then he got to the point, hey, would you speak for us on the Sunday before Thanksgiving about stewardship? And I'm like, okay. But, but as I thought about that, you know, the Bible is about stewardship literally from Genesis to Revelation. And I said to someone uh, earlier this morning, it's, it's not hard this morning to have things to talk about. It's hard to know what not to talk about. So my prayer here in just a moment as we get into this is is that God will show up for each person here individually and that you could hear what he has to say to you. Because I'll read some scriptures. We may recite one or two together, one in particular. The, the theme this morning, you know, for the, for the Lord is good, right? For, give thanks to the Lord for the Lord is good. Um, his love endures forever. I was speaking on this scripture that is found multiple times in the book of Psalms, at least 10 or 12 times. It's the start of several chapters in Psalms, uh, which is a reminder that, you know, these were songs that were penned that people would, would sing or chant to. And so you get the repetition of this chorus. Can we have that scripture up there? Is that easy? Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. 30 years ago on a Wednesday night in uh, Coos Bay, Oregon, the Wednesday before Thanksgiving, I spoke on this passage of Scripture from Psalm 106 and Psalm 107. And either in the King James Version or the New King James Version, either one reads more like this, Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His mercy endures forever. So that, that word being translated or uh, replaced, if you will, uh, either way, mercy or love, and thinking about how that might go together. We had Thanksgiving dinner the next day, a large family gathering at my parents' house, and I believe it was on Friday morning, uh, my brother, who's half a generation younger than me, 
he, uh, he had this idea that we would go ride uh, ATVs in the sand dunes. And he had a, a friends with a couple of really cool, fast, four-wheel ATVs. Uh, one was a Banshee. Uh, they had the skis on the end of the name, you know, Kawasaki, uh, Suzuki, that kind of stuff. And then they had for this old guy, now mind you, I was probably about 26, um, they, they had a, a special bike that was called a fat cat with really big tires and it had a top speed of around 30 miles an hour. You, you kind of know where this is going. There was a picture of a motor, that's it. Chris pulled this up. That, that's kind of a modern fat cat. The one I was riding was not this cool. We're in the sand dunes and uh, the other guys, my brother and his friends, they take off. They're in these really fast, four-wheel, three-wheel, you know, we, we were playing with a lot of toys that day. And I decide, well, I'm going to try to catch up. But I wasn't looking where I was going. I was looking where they were going. Yeah. And um, I don't remember exactly what happened next. Um, there were some people around me as I came to who wanted to give me some details that I had been unconscious for 17 minutes. It's fascinating when you go to a hospital and you've become unconscious or knocked unconscious for having a good time. They treat you like you're a complete idiot. Not like a football star who goes out and bangs his head into people on purpose and ends up in the emergency room. They just treat you like you're a complete imbecile. And uh, one of the nurses even pointed that out. You know, if you'd have done this playing football, you'd get better treatment now. But the, the experience in the sand as I came to. It, it was the strangest thing. I don't know if you've ever been unconscious for a length of time. I've never experienced anything like this before or since. It was as though I was being reborn. And I don't know how, what the length of time was between being out, they said 17 minutes, and what you called coming to. I am sitting in what felt like a large sandbox. And I'm having memories of being five or six years old with cars and trucks and, you know, um, front-end loader, little Tonka toys playing in the sand. I, I really, my mind couldn't make sense of anything. Some of you know already where this is going. The, the one thing that began to emerge into my consciousness was this. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord. For he is good. I don't want to get emotional because then I can't talk. His mercy endures forever. Anybody, anybody ever done anything stupid? Just three of you. Um, it, it's amazing. My wife and I were talking about this on the drive here. How easy it is to be judgmental of other people. Just saying, there might be someone here who's judgmental about the way I was riding in the sand dunes. Um, but not to make that point, the, the interesting thing is we have to be so careful, as Romans chapter 2 points out, for the same things that we judge others for are so often the things we're guilty of ourselves. Now let's go back to the scripture there for me, if you can. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. I brought up here with me a uh, a copy of a, a book that may be familiar to several of you. It's been a bestseller. It's been out for quite a few years. It simply says, start with why. 
If we're going to talk about stewardship, what's the why, right? What, why, why would we give? And we often in the church, we think of stewardship as, as giving money or giving time or get, sharing our talents. It, it's giving. Stewardship actually means to take care of the property or products of someone else. And literally through most of the English language, it, it means to serve. Often it means to serve a meal, such as a steward on a ship or a plane or a train. Uh, when we, back in the day, uh, when we were less politically correct and there were stewardesses on the flights, a very defined role, the stewardesses were to serve people. They were to pass out food. And it wasn't food that they made or created or paid for on their own. It was stewarding on behalf of the airlines, caring for the people that were on the flight. I have three things I want to say to you that are most important, and uh, I'm going to try to wrap this up in about 14 more minutes, because I've rambled a bit. Wow, that was good timing. I I wish I could (laughs) have worked that in a little better. Um, It's a good time to check the ringer on your phone. I hope that wasn't mine. Um, I want us to remember, be thankful because God is good. And I want us to remember... Be thankful for what God has given to us. Whether it's a fish or a dog or land, and especially your own life. Be thankful for what God has given to us. And I want to conclude this morning with the thought, be thankful because gratitude is good for us. Be thankful because gratitude is good for us. Uh, Let's pray together. Again, Father, we pray that the teacher shows up this morning, that your Holy Spirit would speak into our lives, answer questions, meet needs, give us something to to remember, to hang on to in a time of trouble or a time of need. May we be conscious to be thankful when times are good, and may we be ever so diligent to be thankful when times are difficult. God, it's, it's with a heart of thanksgiving that we can offer sacrifice and thanks and praise and give to you. We thank you for that in Christ's name. Amen. It was, uh, I thought of this a lot recently. I, I had the good fortune growing up in a Christian home with parents who read the Bible every day. They read it through, and my dad had this little card he would keep on how many times he'd read the Bible through, and he'd, he'd go and, and read the whole thing, and then he'd read the New Testament. By the time I was 12 or so, I had to have one of those cards. And uh, some of you know what this is like, Drew. You know, you, you see what your parents do, and, and sometimes you, you do it, and you wonder, now, why am I doing this? But you just do it because it's what you see. And so when I was 12, I read the Bible all the way through. When I was 14, I read it through again. And I was reminded of President Theodore Roosevelt's quote recently where he had said, a thorough knowledge of the Bible is worth more than a college education. I wonder how many people, even in the church, really have a clue what the Bible says cover to cover. Now, I'm talking about stewardship. It's a principle that's in the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. I've already mentioned a steward is someone who looks after the things on behalf of someone else, someone else's property. 
Most of you, if you know me, you know I work in school board development, and I've been in this work for several years, but here in Texas, school board members are called trustees. And we like to emphasize that in their role, they are entrusted with the community's two most precious resources, their children and their money. Money's kind of an amorphous thing, right? I I was thinking of this recently. Uh, If you have some cash, it's just pieces of paper. They're notes, if you will. They're only worth something. It's only worth something because we have collectively agreed that it has a value. Otherwise, I mean, it's not really good fire starter. Most of those bills are, you know, they're pretty small as far as What what are you going to do with it? What would you do with it if you couldn't exchange it for something else? And I wonder this morning, what has God given you, to you? What, What do you have that he's given to you that he wants you to steward or take care of? In the very beginning in Genesis chapter 1, the Bible says God made man and woman in his image. Fascinating thought, right? wasn't about physical attributes, obviously. There was something deeper and more important than that. God made man and woman in his image, and he placed them in a garden, and he basically said, take care of stuff. Be good stewards. Take care of this garden. I'm going to cover Genesis to Revelation, but not every book of the Bible. There's 66, by the way, and... uh, So we'll just pick a couple highlights. Very related to this, this idea of give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. What has God given to you? In the book of Exodus, we find uh, Moses in a predicament in the desert. And God uh, comes to him. You're familiar with this story. He comes to him in a burning bush. It's a bush that's burning. It's on fire, but it's not being consumed. So... Most of us, I think, that would get our attention, right? He, and he sees this, he fixes on it, and God begins to speak to him. And God wants Moses to go into Egypt, and he wants Moses to confront the Pharaoh and tell the Pharaoh to let the slaves, the Israelites, go. And Moses starts to make excuses, right? He says, oh, I, 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 I stutter, I don't speak well, I can't do this, I can't do that. What, what does God say to Moses? What do you have in your hand? There's a powerful message right there. What what had God already placed in his hand? When God wants us to do something for him, he's already equipped us to do what we need. And just as Moses, we have to simply let go, not only of that object sometimes, but we also have to let go of our ego Maybe even sometimes false humility? Imagine this predicament that you know a a lot of us find ourselves in where we'll say, oh, I I could never do that, right? Oh, that's too much. I I could never do that. Well, God's not going to ask us to do something he's not already, already equipping us to do. That doesn't mean we might not need to gain some skills or confidence or abilities, but God, God equips us with so many things And we need to give thanks to him because he is good and his love endures forever. And when we give back to God or we do what God has said for us to do, we we are entering into a 
a moment of worship, a time of worship. Anything we do where we give back to God or do something on behalf of God is honoring of God. It was interesting. Um, I was thinking of this last week when Jim Curran was speaking, and I thought he might actually touch on it. I don't know how you uh, think about tithing. Last week might be the first Sunday I've ever heard that word mentioned here in this church in, in several years. And I, I don't know, there could be any variety of good reasons for that. Maybe it scares people. Maybe it's just an old word. Maybe it feels compulsory. The word tithe just means tenth. It's a real simple thing. When I'm, when I'm not doing well spiritually, I will say to myself, tithing is an Old Testament principle. That's not for today. That's not in the New Testament. But the problem is I've read the Bible a few times. And in the book of Hebrews, we actually learn that Abraham paid tithes to the priest Melchizedek. He gave a tenth of all he had generations before God spoke to Moses in Deuteronomy and said that they were supposed to set aside a tenth of all their prosperity, of all their um, produce uh, of their fields, set that aside for the Levites to have and to distribute to the needy. Tithing actually predates the Mosaic or the Old Testament law. And here's something that I've often found kind of funny. There is one thing in the whole New Testament, in all the writings about what Jesus said, there is one time that he actually complimented the Pharisees and scribes. One time. The people that he called a, a whitewashed grave and a, a generation of vipers and snakes, and he had really no good thing to say for the Pharisees and scribes. But in Matthew 23, 23, Jesus said, you paid your tithe on your mint and your anise and your cumin, and in this you did well. That's New Testament, folks. This, this idea of tithing or setting aside a tenth of what God has given to us to give back for God's use and multiplying it to others, not only does it predate the Old Testament law, it also was commended by Jesus of people who were generally not commendable worthy. In fact, he, let me just finish that statement. When he said, you paid tithe on your mint, your anise, and your cumin, in that you did well, but you've neglected the weightier things of the law. So you're not, in, specifically in that context, you're not taking care of your parents. You're not honoring your parents. You're not doing the other things that I've said to you to do, but you're so legalistic that you got it down to the fraction of a penny of exactly what you're giving. You're, you're paying tithe on your mint, your anise, your cumin, your spices. La-di-da, I think Jesus is saying, that's good, you should do that, but don't neglect the lightier, needier stuff, or the weightier stuff. Instead, I'm going to cover a lot of the Bible, because Bible literacy is important. And especially for the Christian, especially for those who call themselves by Christ's name, especially for those who are in church, we need to read the Bible and know what it says for ourselves. Not have someone else manipulate or tell us or spoon feed us, but to actually know the broader context. Because you can pick any verse out of the Bible and you can build a whole doctrine on it. 
But, but for the, the wise, thinking, balanced Christian, you're like, wait a minute, how does that fit within the greater context of all the Scripture? How does this fit with all the different things that God is saying to us? When I get to the book of Revelation in just a few minutes, I want to say that the last thing in the Bible that God is saying that we're to be the steward of or steward for is His Word. And let me suggest that He's speaking about His Word applied in our hearts and lives, that that is something we critically need to steward or develop. When we think of giving thanks to the Lord for He is good, for His love endures forever, what exactly has God given to us that we should be thankful for? Somebody shouted out. I've got a list, but what, what, what has God given to you that you should be thankful for? Family, thank you. Church? Health, house, car, food, relationship with God, friends, nice, thank you. Grandkids, yeah. We're going to get them all together this week. We'll be really thankful, and it'll be crazy chaotic. Um, what else has God given you that you should be thankful for? Life and health, eternal life. That, that's really heavily uh, in Psalm 107 there, that let the redeemed of the Lord say so, right? Um, let them be thankful for that. How about your, your abilities, your talents? Not, not only your health, but perhaps your ability to sing. Or, don't get quiet now. Um, blessing. Yeah, what, what, what kind of talent has God given you that you should be thankful for? Grateful for sleep? Is that a pooper scooper? Yes. Yeah, I did. I, I, it's my fault. I brought it up. We we want to be thankful because God is good, and we need to be thankful for what He has given to us. Because when we're thankful for something, now please don't judge me after this by looking at my car. They say that you can tell how a person values themselves by how well they take care of their car. I, they, they say, okay, moving right along. Um, we need to be thankful for all that God has done for us. In 1 Corinthians, uh, the apostle wrote that it's required of stewards. It's required of people who have been entrusted with something, and God has entrusted us with so much. It's important that we be found faithful in what God has entrusted to us. You all know in the story of the parable of the, uh, the talents in Matthew where Jesus talked about how the, the servant was, or the master was about to take a trip and to one, he gave five bags of gold or five talents, if you will, um, and to another, he gave two bags of gold. Um, and in the Old English, the word talent is used there for the measure of gold. I, I'm told that one talent equaled about 20 years' worth of a laborer's wages. One talent. So to one, the master had entrusted five, to another two, to another one. Hopefully you're familiar with this parable, how then the master went off on a trip, the one that had five, they took that, they invested it, they got five more. The one that had two, they, they invested that, they got two more. The one that had one 
kind of proved that the master had it figured out what he should trust people with, right? He took it and buried it in the ground. And, and when the master came back from his journey, uh, he commended, complimented those who had multiplied what God had given to them. And he cursed the one who had buried his talent in the ground. Again, the question for us is, what has God given to us? What is it? Is it money? Is it possessions? Is it relationships? Is it a wife, a husband, a friend, a brother, a sister, neighbors, a job, cars, dogs, to scoop the poop? Um, What has God entrusted us with? And jumping right ahead to Revelation, because my time has evaporated, I mentioned this in Revelation 22, verses 18 through 19, and I would encourage you to look at this. It's a strong warning, a strong warning that God gives at the end of the book of Revelation, not to add anything to what God has said, and not to take anything away from what God has said. I wonder this morning where our hearts are with God, and if we're willing to accept what God has said to us, or if we're inclined to make excuses, whether the excuse is, well, you know, that's an Old Testament thing. God didn't really mean that, right? There, there's that kind of interplay. We can read it all throughout the Bible of people wrestling with what has God said to do and is this what I should be doing at this time and in this way in my life? The encouragement that I would leave you with is that God is not only good, God is faithful. Right? He's faithful to do what he had said he would do. And if we're going to be a steward of what he's trusted into us, his expectation is that we will be faithful in our stewardship. And this one thought, I want to I share with you uh, something I read recently from Harvard Health Publishing. Giving thanks, scientists have decided, will make you happier. Each holiday season comes with high expectations for a cozy and festive time of year. However, for many, this time of year is tinged with sadness, anxiety, or depression. Certainly, major depression or a severe anxiety disorder benefits most from professional help. But what about those who just feel overwhelmed or down at this time of year, over the next month? Research and common sense, they add, suggest that one aspect of the Thanksgiving season can actually lift the spirits and it's built right into the holiday. This is Harvard Press. Be grateful. The word gratitude is derived from the Latin word gratia, which means grace, graciousness, or gratefulness, depending on the context. And in some ways, gratitude encompasses all of these meanings. Gratitude is a thankful appreciation for what an individual receives, whether or not that's tangible or intangible. With gratitude, people acknowledge the goodness in their lives. Wow, as Christians of all people, shouldn't we take this to heart this morning? With gratitude, people acknowledge the goodness in their lives. In the process, people usually recognize that the source of that goodness lies at least partially outside themselves. This is nice and secularized. 
As a result, being grateful also helps people connect to something larger than themselves as individuals, whether to other people, nature, or a higher power. If any of you here this morning desire to be more connected with God, the path to that is a grateful heart of thanksgiving. We need to give thanks to the Lord for He is good because His love endures forever. In psychology research, gratitude is strongly and consistently associated with greater happiness. Gratitude helps people feel more positive emotions, relish good experiences, improve their health, deal with adversity, and build strong relationships. Say this scripture with me one time, and then we'll close. Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His love endures forever. Father, we pray this morning that our stewardship of all that you have given to us, our finances, our talents, our friends, our family, our land, and anything that we imagine is our possession, God, that we would recognize that every good thing comes from you, and that we would gladfully, cheerfully enter into partnership with you, to do what you have for us to do with what you've entrusted to us. Let us be a people who are known for our gratitude and appreciation for all you are and all you do for us. Amen.